want to start out today, I want to ask you a question. Do you, who here wants to have a successful life? There's a few of you. Some of you want unsuccessful lives, apparently. But yes, we all want a successful life, don't we? Um, and we realize, most of us probably realize, that you don't just wake up one day, walk out the door, and bam, success. I've achieved it. I think some of our young people sometimes, my own experience of thinking that's the way it should work. But that's not how it works. And as I was preparing for this message, I wanted to kind of get a, a feel for it. Like, what does the world kind of think? How, how do you get a successful life? I love the internet. You know, it can get you bad things. You got to know truth from falsehood. But you can Google anything and you'll get an answer whether it's true or false. You got to discern that. But I Googled how to have a successful life. And right there at the top was the WikiHow criteria and how to have a successful life. And I want to read those to you. It says this, uh, when, you, when you Google this, I added it down a little bit, but uh, it says, starts out, find a place where you can think without being disturbed. Think through. It's like, you know, you don't want to have all the distractions of the world going on. Explore key questions about the future you want. Look ahead. See, what is it that you'd like to be doing? Stop thinking about the past and focus on the present and not the future. Don't worry about those failures or those problems in the past, but be looking ahead. Look for your passion. What am I good at doing? What do I like to do? Plan a route to get to the future you want with the passion that you have. What do I like doing and how can I use this uh, to uh, have that future that I'm looking forward to? Write it down and put it where you can see it. Write it down and put it right on the refrigerator or the bathroom mirror where you're going to see it every day so you can be reminded of it and work your plan. Now, from a societal perspective, this doesn't sound, it's, it's kind of general, but it doesn't sound like a bad plan. But from a Christian perspective, there's a major problem with this. Nowhere is God included. Not in one place on this. We're continuing our study through James today, and we're going to be uh, in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. You can turn there. But we're going to look at what the Lord has to tell us through James about uh, how we can plan for the future while following after the Lord. And I want to jump right into the text today here. It says this, beginning in verse 13. He says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, I do thank you for your word and I pray that you'd Guide us through it today, Lord. I pray that you'd help us uh, if, as we make plans for our own futures, Lord, that we would be seeking after your will in all things and trusting your will and your plan for our lives. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, James starts out by uh, discussing the foolishness of planning without the Lord. He gives us an example of someone who's followed that wiki how uh, plan for their future. He says, now listen, you say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. This is a person who stopped, considered their life, hey, what can I do? They thought about what success looks like to them, and 
They planned a route to get there. We're going to go to this city and we're going to carry on business. And they're starting to work their plan. They've spent a lot of time considering their future plans, thinking about them and mapping it out. However, they have not considered what the Lord would have them do. That is foolish. James goes on to tell us why it's foolish. He says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. When we plan without considering the Lord's plans, it's foolish because our life is completely in his hands. And from our standpoint, our life is very uncertain. We, don't, we haven't been guaranteed tomorrow. None of us have. We've been guaranteed right now. This moment, that's it. You know, it's, it's scary for us. I mean, none of us know when we're, 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 we're going to, uh, to die. You know, my daughter is a, on, a, on a trip. Uh, she's doing a semester at sea. It's kind of like a semester of, abroad, but she's at sea. And uh, she was just in Myanmar, and uh, a girl on a, that's a student there had a tragic accident and uh, died while she's on this trip. I feel so bad for her parents and just processing through uh, how you do that. But it's just the reality that we face in this world that none of us have been guaranteed tomorrow. We need to be thinking through what the Lord would have us do as we make plans because we don't know what the future holds. And we think our, our, our future is in our control and it's in our, our destiny is in our control. It's not. To think so is, is we're missing out on what God really has for us. And when we think back and uh, when we look back in, in, into the Old Testament, we see that people thinking that their future is in their control it's as old as the Bible. It's as old as sin, really. When we look back in Genesis 11, we see people starting to build a, a, a tower of Babel. And in 11.4, it says, it says, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. People had taken God out of the equation, and they wanted to make a name. They wanted success, what their view of success would be. They wanted to make a name for themselves but they excluded the Lord from many plans and they thought they were in control of their own destiny and future. You know, when I was in high school, I remember writing one of my first theme, I can't even remember what it was on, but an essay of some point. I remember reading a, a poem that I thought, well, this is going to be a great start to this because I'm writing about, you know, how our futures are, writing out on a book and, a, and how our future's in our control, but it was a poem by William Ernest Henley. And it ends with these famous lines, you've probably heard them before. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It has a nice ring to it, if not a little prideful, but the real problem with it is it's not true. It's not true. The supreme and sovereign God is the master of our fate. He is the captain of our soul. Whether or not you choose to believe in him makes no difference. He is still in control. We need to realize this. The author of Proverbs tells us many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The Lord's sovereign purpose will be accomplished. We make all kinds of plans, but the Lord is in full control. And we make plans sometimes to our own detriment as we seek to follow them, sometimes without recognizing that the Lord's will will be done. We've got to realize this. Um, now, this isn't to suggest that we're robots, but we need to realize who is in control. And we need to realize that we don't know what the future holds. The same author of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 27, he says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Now, 
This does not mean that we shouldn't make plans for the future or we shouldn't say, you know what? I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm going to spend everything I got today because I've only been guaranteed this moment. So I'm going to live it up today because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That, too, is foolish. That's not what the Lord calls us to do. We do need to plan, but we need to plan with a view to the Lord following after his will. We need to keep our focus on him as we make plans because he is the one that knows what's going to happen. I tell you, even for Christians here, all of us, I mean, we all struggle with this. We come here on the weekend, we praise God, we hear God's word, and then we go to work on Monday and we're, we're, we're thinking through things. It's like, you know, what do I need to do to get this next promotion? How can I get this next sale? How can I make more money? How can I get more power? And we're not thinking often, we're not thinking this. Sometimes there's some people who are, I have conversations with people that are, Lord, what would you have me do? Is, would you be able to use me better in the role I'm currently in or with a promotion or with a different role? Lord, how can I bring glory to you most? It's foolishness to plan our lives or our futures without seeking the will of the Lord for our lives. So instead of foolishly planning without the Lord, we are to be making plans and following the Lord And that is going to require some flexibility in our life. Planning our future and following the Lord requires this flexibility. Paul goes on and saying, instead instead of planning and making plans without the Lord, he says, you ought to say if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. As it is, we boast in our arrogant schemes. And this is evil. Paul's telling us, listen, it's not wrong to make plans. We should be making plans as we seek the Lord's will. But we need to do so and be flexible with our own plans as he leads. We need to be cautious in this. If we're heading in a direction and we're seeking God's will and he alters that direction, we need to be willing and flexible and willing to change course if uh, that's where he leads. Now, this uh, verse here when it says, instead we ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. This isn't meant to imply that if we make our plans and tack on, if it's the Lord will or Lord willing, Uh, that we're really seeking God's will. Nor do I think that we need to just, in any future plan we have or anything that talks about the future, do I think we need to tack on Lord willing? There's some things, this is really talking about our heart condition and and our seeking after the Lord. There's some things that we know it's the Lord's will. I don't have to say, you know what, I'm going to be married to my wife the rest of my life, Lord willing. Well, no, it's the Lord's will. We know this from Scripture. Now, if saying something like this is helps us in, in some of our plans to focus on the goodness of God, who he really is, man, if, if Jesus, the one who has loved me so abundantly that, he's, that he was willing to sacrifice me, I want to follow after his will, and this is what I've mapped out as I seek his will, if that helps us to remember that thing, praise God. By all means, say that, but we have got to be seeking it, not just saying it. We've got to be seeking the Lord in our plans. We've got to be recognizing his goodness in all things, that he is really, really, he is a good God. And even as we go through the struggles of life and following sometimes his plan, which can uh, be a struggle, he is good. So that's the question for us. Are we seeking to follow the Lord's plans, recognizing his goodness, or are we seeking to fulfill our own selfish desires as James has talked about here? 
Are we seeking to be flexible? If he changes our course, are we willing to change according to what he guides us to? You know, I was thinking, trying to think through some examples of this in Scripture, and Paul, I think, is a great example to us. Somebody that he knew what God's will was for his life. You know what God's will for him, for him was? He was called to be an apostle. He starts out most of his letters like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He knew he was called to be an apostle. And he was called to preach the gospel message. To share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with whomever he came in contact with. He knew that was his will for his life. But he was flexible in some of the specifics of where that got shared. Let me give you an, illustri- or an example of that. In uh, Acts chapter 16, as it details some of uh, Paul's missionary journeys, it says this. He says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them in. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision... We got ready to, at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They had plans to go into uh, Mysia and or to enter into Bithynia, but they couldn't do it. God changed his plans. He was flexible. Okay, we can't go here. This is where the Lord's leading us. That's where we're going to go. He was flexible in his, his, his own plans for following after God's will. We need to be flexible in that way too. But even while we need to be flexible with some of the where and the when of following after the Lord, planning our future and following the Lord is also going to require firmness. And it's usually a firmness in the what after we have sought God's will and he's revealed his plans to us. Paul was firm in his call to be an apostle and to preach the gospel. He was flexible in the when and the where that was happening. Now, James, in, in the verses we're studying, he's addressing people who are firm in their own plans. We're going to do this. This is our plan. And they're not firm in the Lord's will for their life. What they needed was to be flexible with their plans and firm with God's plans and his will for them. And James is telling them that they need to be seeking God's will. They weren't seeking it. But here's the question. I, I'm sure many of us here are like, you know, I want to know God's will. What do we do when we've sought God's will? What, what, what then? Well, I think we need to be flexible, again, in the where and the what and how that's going to look. Uh, but we need to be firm in pursuing what he's called us to do. I look back at my own life, you know, and as uh, I had my own plans when I was younger, uh, my own plans were to make a lot of money, get a helicopter so I would avoid traffic in the city. You know, but these were my unchristian plans. These were Scott's plans. And then as the Lord saved me, and I came into a relationship with him, and as he worked in my life and uh, continued to alter the direction of my life as I drew close to him, I sensed his call into full-time ministry. But I had no idea what that was going to look like, where that was going to be. But you know, I, we did our Back to Basics yesterday, and I always get an opportunity to share my own testimony, and it's a great, it's good for me, and this should be good for you too. You should think through and remember what God has done in your life because it helps us as we go forward, and it's good reminders for us as we go through difficult circumstances and difficult times in our life. 
It's good reminders, and it's a great reminder for me because sometimes, you know, as, as a pastor, we go through difficult times and difficult, it's like you wonder, it's like, am I being effective? Is this what I should really be doing? And when I can remember back, and it takes me back, and I remember God's call and the work he did, I know and I'm firm in his call. The when and the where, I'm always flexible in. How, how is that going to look? I don't know what his plans are, but I know what God's called me to. And I'm firm in that. Listen, I know I don't do this. I'm not in this for it's my job. I'm in this because God changed me powerfully in my life from the track I was on to a different track. And he wants to do that in your life too. He wants to do powerful work in each one of us and draw us close to him. I want to be able to tell people about that, what God's done in my own life, so they can experience that same thing. But, so we need to be firm in his call and remember those things, but we need to be flexible in the, in, in the, in the when and where's of that. There's some great examples in the Bible as well, and I was thinking through this, and I was thinking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a good example of being firm in pursuing God's direction. This is a man who sought the Lord uh, and, and followed the Lord's plans as, as he laid them on his heart. And God used Nehemiah powerfully. And I want to walk you through Nehemiah a little bit, but I want to challenge you for a second because I have conversations with people sometimes and they think, well, you know, don't, don't plan too much or think too much. You know, in my sermon preparation... I come up here with a, a manuscript, and I, I, I work on this during the week, and I, I talk to some people, it's like, you got to let the Spirit lead. Do you think the Spirit only leads extemporaneously? I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God leads through planning, and we're going to see that in Nehemiah. He leads as we plan, as we draw close to him, as we pursue God, and we pray, and we uh, 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 plan and think. He uses our minds in this. The Spirit of God works powerfully. And he, he works in mighty ways. And we see this in Nehemiah. I want to give you a little background on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a Jew and he was in exile. This is several hundred years before the time of Christ. And he's serving as a cupbearer to the king, a, a pagan king uh, at this time. Now, this is a kind of a, actually a big deal job. Um, he would have been close to the king. The king would have trusted him. He would have lived in luxury at this point. Uh, but he was a Jew and he was a follower of the Lord in his heart, and he was in tune with the Lord, seeking his will in all things. And when he, some travelers came through and he heard about the condition of Jerusalem, as he's in Babylon at this time, and the disgrace of the wall being in shambles, and the people being in a spiritual uh, shambles as well, he was grieved. And as we read through Nehemiah, we see that he spent four months praying and fasting and crying out to the Lord and thinking. And as, as he followed the Lord he, and, and sought the Lord and cried out to him, the Lord used his mind and his thinking and his planning to direct him to accomplish and lay on his heart the will that the Lord had for him. And as he prayed, Nehemiah came up with some definite and specific plans for how he, Nehemiah, could go and accomplish and rebuild the wall and remove the disgrace of the Jews and help them spiritually uh, to be redeemed as well in this. Now, this was no easy task. It would require great obedience on the part of Nehemiah. But as he fasted and he prayed and the Lord led, and he, he came up with these, this specific plan, he came before the Lord that day and he said this. He said, 
Give your servant, he's, this is his prayer, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. <clears throat> now the verses we're studying in James, he's saying, you know, he says, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or that. Listen, James is not giving you a formula saying you pray this way. He's telling us how we need to have a lifestyle and a heart of seeking after the Lord's will and petition and, and praying and following after him. This is what Nehemiah has been doing for months, months as he's crying out to the Lord. And he prays and asks God specifically, give me favor, give me success, he says, today as I approach this man. And as he does, the king says, what do you want? And Nehemiah shoots up a quick prayer of strength to say exactly what he'd been planning as he prayed uh, to the Lord and sought his will. And it says this, he says, so I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. He already knew the time. He had made plans in this. And it goes on and says, I also, asked, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that it will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters, and the king also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Nehemiah had thought and planned out, you know, what am I going to need? If the Lord's calling me to do this, what do I need to do? Well, I'm going to need timber. I'm going to need safe passage. There's enemies of Israel out there still. I'm going to need protection. I'm going to need a place to live. He thought through all of these things, and he approaches the, the king, prays to the Lord, seeking his, he sought his will, and he has this plan, and he asks him, and the Lord grants him these requests. Listen, we, we, th we read Nehemiah, we see Paul, and we think, man, God's got a plan for their, their life. Sometimes people even say, well, yeah, you know, he hasn't called me to uh, have a plan like he's got for you, Scott. God's got a plan for every one of our lives. He has a plan for your life. You're not here just to take up space until you die. He wants to use you. And as we follow after him, as we seek him, as we draw near to him, he can use us powerfully. He's got a plan for all of us. The psalmist writes this, he says, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knit you together. You aren't an afterthought. You aren't the mistake of your human parents. God knit you together. He saw all the days ordained for you before one of them came to be. He knows his plan. And we act foolishly when we remove God from our own plans and seek to do what we want to do. We follow our own plans at our own peril. If you don't believe that, here's another biblical example of someone who didn't follow the plan of the Lord. Jonah, you know what? God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Guess what? Jonah went to Nineveh, except he took the long, hard road to get there. 
I'm not saying that the Lord's will is going to be an easy road. I don't think it always is. I think the, the Lord's plan for our life will sometimes and often be difficult uh, for us. But it's going to be the more direct route. Jonah didn't need to go to, through the things he went through if he would have followed the Lord's plans. What is God calling you to do? Do you know that? What's his will for your life? I bet a lot of you are sitting here asking that same question. What, Lord, is it that you want for me to do? What is your will for my life? And how do we know the will of God anyway? This is what the Lord tells us through Paul in Romans 12. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. James has just finished talking about Listen, don't, don't follow the, the world's ways. You need to follow after the Lord's ways. Paul says, the Lord says through Paul, he says, don't conform to the pattern in this world. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the wiki how uh, avenue for success in life. Instead, he says, renew, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to have our minds renewed in him, continually seeking after him. Then, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to stop living our lives by the dictates and the pattern of this world and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How is our mind going to be renewed? How are we going to be transformed? Well, our mind is going to be renewed as we keep our focus on him. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Your mind's going to be renewed as we read his word. And his word is living and active and powerful. It transforms us and changes us. Your mind's going to be renewed as you pray, as you come before the Lord. As James has just said, as you draw near to him, as we draw near to the Lord, as we find our peace, our rest in him, we're going to have our minds renewed. Our minds are going to be renewed as we study God's word with other people and other people speak into our life. Our mind's going to be renewed as we attend worship services and hear God's word preached to us and he challenges us in our thinking. It's going to be renewed in those things. We're going to be able to keep our focus upon the Lord and follow after him. Listen, we need to know God's re his revealed will first before you're going to know his specific will for your life. I mean, some things we know. It's clear to us. When he, you know, if, we, if you're here today and you have kids, his will for your life is to be a mother or father to your kids. That doesn't change. Even as they grow, it changes the how sometimes and, and how we're going to conduct ourselves. But we know that's part of his will for your life because you have kids. We know it. So there's certain things we know. I was talking to somebody today right between services. You know, focusing on the things we know for sure and as we do those, God works and calls us. You know, as I focused on, you know, even for my calls, I was focusing on the Lord and he was changing my life and I was following after him and I was doing the things I knew he had called me to do and ministering to people. He began to, you know, I began to sense and, 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 and sense his call into full-time ministry. But it's like, even then, it's challenging. It's like, well, you know, I got this, I got an economics degree. I like doing what I do. How does that happen? Well, you know what, you need to take steps and go back to school. So I had to pursue that while having kids and doing this. So there's challenging times that we're going to face. 
And this is why we need to be in God's word. This is why we need a community of believers because we're going to face challenges and we need the encouragement of his word, the encouragement of the body of Christ around us because it's going to be challenging. Nehemiah, you know what? God's will for him, go and rebuild the wall. This should be a piece of cake. We often think, if I'm following God's will, shouldn't this be easy? That's a lie that Satan's whispering in your ear. Because Nehemiah, guess what? He went, I'm rebuilding a wall. And people around Israel at the time, guess what? They didn't want him to rebuild the wall. They didn't want that going on. They threatened attack. He had to change how they were doing things. They had a sword in one hand and uh, uh, laying bricks in the other. They were working. It took a little longer, but it went fast, actually. So he had these external uh, people not wanting him to do that and the challenges he faced. He had internal challenges as well because the people were discouraged. I don't want to die. I don't want to do this. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to do this. And he had to focus them on the Lord, renew their minds. Remember. Remember what God has done. Remember. This is why the Jews continually go back and remember. This is why next week as we celebrate, we get uh, approaching Thanksgiving, we stop and remember what God is doing. We have celebrate Thanksgiving. We have a give thanks service and we remember what God's been doing in the church as the body of Christ and to see his work so we can be encouraged and our minds can be renewed as we move forward in the things he's calling us to, that we can stand firm and face the challenges that we will face as we pursue and follow God and his plans. Because we will face challenges. You will face challenges as you follow the Lord. Each one of us will. But I'll tell you, as we face those challenges and stand firm in those challenges, knowing the things that God has called us to do, following after his will, we get to experience great joy and see God's work being done. It's a joy for me to see what God has done in the church. It was a joy for Nehemiah as they celebrated the building of the wall and seeing the spiritual renewal that went on at that time. It was a joy for Paul as he writes even from prison uh, to, to people. He's talking to the Philippians about the joy he has and seeing their, their faith continue to grow. It's joy when we get to experience and follow after the Lord and his will. We get to experience that, following God's plan. We need to be seeking his plan. We need to be making our plans in accordance with his will. And when we do that, God works powerfully. And we get to experience the fullness that comes from that obedience. When you don't seek the Lord in your planning, we're sinning against God. But here's something you need to realize too. When you do seek the Lord in your planning and then don't follow what he calls you to do, you also sin. He tells us in verse 17, if anyone then knows the good, the good they ought to do, the will of God that he's revealed to you, and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Sin isn't just breaking one of the commandments, I didn't kill anybody, God, I'm good, right? No. Sin is also disobeying what God has told you to do and you don't do it. His will for your life. If we're studying and drawing close to God and he's revealing to us that, you know what, I, you need to start making some sacrifice and you don't do it, you sin against God. When we're following after the Lord and praying and God's laying a person over and over on our life and we need to talk to this person and we don't want to talk to this person, you say, I'm not doing it. 
we sin, if that's what he's directing us to do. If we're making our plans and the Lord impresses on us that we should be doing something different or going a different way, or, or we should be pausing or waiting and we don't, we sin. Don't disobey God's will when we have sought it and we know what he calls us to do. This is, this is challenging for us. But I want to ask you this question. What's the Lord leading you to do? I want to tell you, whatever the Lord may be leading you to do as you seek him and as you make those plans for the future, if he's guiding you, those plans are the best thing for you. You know, I, I get the privilege of looking back on, on my life, and we all get this privilege at points, but I get to see a little more clearly. I, I don't know why. You know, I look back, and I, I, had a, I had a great job as I was pursuing, and it's like I left my job at, like, the peak of, like, making money. And, like, people were saying, eh. But as I look back now, that was the best time in the world to get out. Man, God is so good. While it looks like from a human standpoint, you're crazy. You're giving up this. There is no safer direction ever in any of our lives than walking in the will of the Lord, even when it looks risky, even when it looks uncertain, even when it looks like, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's the safest direction to go. Man, I, I, I have the great privilege of looking back and saying, man, your plans are way, way better than my own. And that helps me as I look forward and say, oh, this is scary. I don't know where this is going. But, Lord, I remember. I remember what you've done. I remember how powerful you are. I remember how good you are in all things. And I can move forward. Firm in what he calls us to do. What's the Lord calling you to do? If you're here today and you don't know or you're scared, what, what should you be doing? Listen, you should be first praying, being in God's word, meditating on his word, realizing that his unrevealed will uh, in your life is gonna come through first following in obedience to his revealed will for your life. The easy things, the clear things, follow after that, and he's going to direct you and put you in places that you can see and understand what he's calling you to do. And then we need to be flexible in the, the, the way we've mapped out our plans. I had a plan mapped out, okay, I'll do this, this, and this, and I'll be here, and you know, and it's a little different than what I mapped out. We need to be flexible in that, but we also need to be firm in the things he's called us to do, and that he's revealed to us. And when it gets hard, we need to not just say, well, this, you know, maybe this isn't what God wants me to do. This is too hard. If it was God's will, it would be easier. No, sometimes it's challenging. Lord, I need your strength. I need to stand firm in him, persevering in the things we know that the Lord has called us to. And finally, we need to realize that not following God's plan for our life is not just some neutral decision like it's an option for us. Not following God's plan for our life when we know it is sin. We shouldn't do that. Instead, we need to resist the lies of Satan, draw near to God, and follow his lead as we make our own plans for our life, for his glory, and for our ultimate good as well. I'm gonna close in prayer, and I'm gonna pray for each one of us that God would direct us in our next step. Sometimes I think, as he saw, we saw in Nehemiah, that he, he saw the end result. He was gonna be used to rebuild the wall, 
and he mapped out that plan and how that's going to get there, and he had to make some detours along the line. Sometimes God doesn't show us the end result. He just shows us the next step, and we got to be comfortable in that and take that step, trusting him to show us more. Whatever it is for you, I'm going to pray that God would strengthen us, help us to stand firm, help us to recognize what he's revealed in his word and calling us to as a parent, as a spouse, as a child, as an employee, that we would be faithful in following God's will for those things so that we might be able to clearly see some of the other more specific things for our own life that he calls us to and that we would follow in that for his glory and honor and have the strength to take those steps and plan our futures while we follow after the Lord. Let's pray. You know, it's a, it is a treasure that we found when we have a relationship with the Lord. You know, there's a line in here that says, isn't he wonderful? We forget how wonderful he is and how wonderful his will is. And we need to recognize and remember that he has loved us so abundantly that he was willing to sacrifice his own son so that we could have life, life eternal, the full life. That's what he's come to give. Realize his goodness, realize his grace, and as you plan for your future, seek his will and follow after that, and you'll be able to experience that fullness and that joy that is only available in Christ as we seek and follow after his will for our life. Have a great day. Go in peace.